Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Thursday and it is a second Ohio State spring practice coming up a little bit uh, later on today. Bill Landis, of course, will be there. So will I, Austin Ward and Jeremy Birmingham will join us, but he's not part of this episode because he's very busy uh, with other things on the recruiting front and that would make for a very crowded draft that Bill has decided <laughs> that we're going to do. What's the inspiration and what are the rules? I don't know what we're doing, Bill. This is your thing. Yeah. So uh, the inspiration's easier. So uh, I believe it was, uh, I believe it was you who on Tuesday asked Jim Knowles about Denzel Burke. And uh, for some reason, Jim Knowles and his answer while talking about Denzel Burke decided to tell us that he had the defensive staff go through a bit of a draft. Um, I don't know when that was, but he had him go through a draft of the defensive players on Ohio State's roster, I think, to get a feel for maybe where the staff thought the strengths and weaknesses were of the entire defense, but also guys that had had really good offseasons, which probably speaks pretty well of the offseason that Denzel Burke had if his name was the one that made that register in Jim <laughs> Knowles' brain and him to tell us that. I wish Jim Knowles would have told us the results of that draft. He did not, of course. Uh, yes. But I thought I thought we could do one of our own to maybe uh, arrive at a similar idea. Guys who uh, we already sort of know are good players and we think are going to be good players next year, but also guys that we think could be in store for big off seasons and then uh, obviously big 2023 seasons. So I suppose for the rules, we should just go back and forth and okay. we'll pick defensive guys. We're not, we're not, uh, don't have to be um, tied to any positional needs. I think we'll just each pick a couple. Maybe we'll do uh I don't know. I don't want to make us do six rounds to try to get a full 11, um, but maybe let's do like four picks each. We'll get eight guys, and that'll be sort of our our uh, way of telling the audience who we think are the best eight defensive players on this roster right now. Wow. You don't think that we should just join forces and get to 11 and draft the ideal lineup? Well, we could do that too, but <laughs> that, that doesn't seem as fun. fun. Yeah, that, that takes some fun. of the fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. Forget that I said it. We're also we could drafting just for long-term need. That's not That's right. We've done that plenty of times. <laughs> the NFL doesn't do it that way. They don't take a best 11. They just jump around and uh, make up projections for uh, Anthony Richardson that are based on reality. So <laughs> at least maybe ours will be more informed than Will Levis or Anthony Richardson evaluations. At least let's hope yeah, so. Yeah, I think I think we should try to keep ourselves to that. Like, not like pick a true freshman who's never played because we think he's going to be good in four years. Like guys that we actually think are going to play next year is probably what we should stick to. Okay. I love that. Uh, I'll let you go with the first pick since uh, we are uh, closest to your birthday. <laughs> the NFL should use that rule too. That'd be great. Um, I think uh, the number one overall selection uh, needs to be the most dynamic, impactful player. And for Ohio State, I think that should be, needs to be, will be JT Tuimolo'o. Um, mm. I think we probably, I don't know if we agree. I guess that'll be an interesting counterpoint by you. I, I think you have to build around his athleticism. Uh, I, I know that we've talked about how, you know, nobody could ever meet that bar consistently of what he did at Penn State. Let's start, let's take that outlier out. It was a historically prolific game. Nobody's going to do that week in and week out. Just the same way that Chase Young didn't average four sacks a game, even though he was able to do that against Wisconsin. I, I do think there's probably a level of greatness that he can reach more consistently in year three. I think there's every reason to project that that is going to happen for him. 
and he's going to have to be one of the most important players, not just on Ohio State's roster, but defensively in the Big Ten for this team to accomplish what it wants. So if I'm building, I think I've got to have JT up front. See, I thought I thought the first pick was going to be interesting because I agree with everything you said. And if I had the first pick, I probably would have done the same thing uh, for all the reasons that you said. Um, I do think there is a a consistency that JTT or excuse me, JT can, <laughs> can improve. It's funny. It's funny. Like he asks us not to do that, but like Ryan day does it all the time, all the time. Uh, <laughs> it is an easy shorthand. Um, he's like that Penn state game was one of the best games I've ever seen. And anyone who's watching has ever seen. And he also, he, I mean, he had other good games besides that one. And if you watch him snap to snap, he does some stuff that really wows you. But I think there is a consistency where you want to feel his presence. Every game that perhaps is, is lacking a little bit. Now, some of that is, I think some games he gets the, the triple team, double team treatment, and it's hard to do that. Um, but he is, he is a really good player with a super high ceiling. Um, so I, I understand wanting to pick him first. And I think I would have done the same thing. However, there is a guy on this defense who is like already in the conversation for best at his position in the country. And he's not the most dynamic guy in the world, certainly not the most dynamic personality in the world, uh, but he had an awesome season last year. And that is Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, and I think he's going to have an awesome season again next year. Uh, so I'll, I'll make him my first pick. Even if I think there are some other guys who um, are like higher level athletes, like, uh, like their ceilings as uh, like long-term football players maybe are, are a tad bit higher than Tommy's. But I also think we need to get some deference to establish production in college football. And Tommy had that last year and he's going to have it again. So I'll make him my first pick. Yeah. I wonder, I, and I would, I guess I would wager on this being true that when they had their draft inside the defensive meeting room, that Tommy Eichenberg consists, if the, if he didn't go number one overall on all of them, was much higher on their boards than people outside the program yeah. might might project. That's how that's long been the case, especially you just don't even think of middle linebacker or his position being the sexiest on the football field. He certainly doesn't do a lot to bring attention to himself, but I think his value inside the Woody uh, is off the charts. So they may quibble with me taking JT number one. And I would say that's probably fair, but those two guys are certainly the linchpin for Ohio State. Um, I I think third. So we're Steel gonna, Chambers get interesting here. Yeah, yeah. Steel. I think Steel belongs in that same boat. If we're taking proven production as well as still untapped potential, perhaps um, maybe that's too high for him. But I think he also this is also not meant as a slight to Tommy Eichenberg, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. But I would I would project that Steel's going to have a higher NFL ceiling than Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, because of his athleticism, because of maybe his ability to play multiple spots uh, at the next level. Certainly we've seen that athleticism in play when he's playing both offense and defense in his career at Ohio State. So he's really important to Ohio State, and I think there's still another guy that fits in that same boat as JT that can find another gear, higher gear, and do it more consistently. He's still only been doing this for, you know, 24 months or so, so uh, or less than that. So there's more, I think, for him to give. So that's a that's a hedge for me. That's both projection and production with him. Yeah, he's. I, I find that the two of them interesting because the the things that I think Steele are really good at is what Tommy is like striving to be better at this year, and vice versa for for Steele. And and Jim Knowles said something when we talked to him um, in early February. I keep forgetting when that was. What the time <laughs> before this 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 Tuesday? That Tradition, we to him. Traditional signing day. 
Yeah, traditional signing day. That's right. That's when it was. Um, he had mentioned that he wanted to see Tommy sort of expand his arsenal in terms of coverage. I think that's where value really comes in for like off-ball linebackers when you get to the NFL level. Um, and I think Steele has that kind of already. And they probably use both those guys more more in that way uh, in 2023. So I'm eager to see that. But but I think I do think you're right. I think Steele has been a pretty productive player. Um, I kind of like the thing I always say about him is every time you put him on the field, it seems like he's getting better. Um, and and obviously he's got another off season to do that. So I think that's a good pick. I don't I don't know if I would have picked him though. I maybe maybe I would have. Um, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, Alex Sonny Styles for my second pick, which is like a pure projection pick. I understand mm. that, but he is a unicorn. So I don't want I don't I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to pick the unicorn. Um, I don't know entirely how he's going to help Ohio State's defense this year. All I know is that he's going to, and he's going to have a role. Um, I think Jim Knowles is genuinely excited about all the different ways that he can use Sonny. I think he can help at all three levels of the defense if they really wanted to tap into that potential. Um, and the fact that he was able to do so much as a 17-year-old, I think, speaks to his work ethic and his football IQ. And he has that in addition to being a freaky athlete who's six foot four and 220 pounds and moves like a much smaller man. So um, I think in terms of like raw ceiling for all these guys, uh, I would say that Sonny's is probably the highest. There was uh, an amusing moment on Tuesday morning at the first practice of spring where sometimes the numbers aren't fully updated on the roster when you get there. And Davison Igbenosin was wearing 20 and Sonny Styles was head switched to, I believe, six. And... <laughs> Jerry Emick stood up on uh, one of the steps. Everyone was kind of scattered about, and he was like, sorry, got that wrong. Sonny's in six, not 20. But everyone was like, yeah, we know. We can, s- <laughs> <laughs> we can see. There's nobody else who that could possibly be other than Sonny Styles. Like, we got it. We've, we've adjusted. Yeah, he he's and Davis Nigmanosa now too, and among the corners is this way too. But like, you just look at the safety, and it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay yeah that's the guy who's different well and he's also got his uh his shirt rolled up like zeke and it's like yeah i don't for a I, reason I, I yeah <laughs> i wouldn't even know how best to describe that um i'll leave that to the romance novelists out there um so wait, pick number six we're on is that right um, six overall uh no this is fifth overall and your third pick i think i would have to i need to start building out you know my future secondary and i mm. i think that denzel burke <sighs> sort of a a more mature and physically developed version of the freshman guy is what i'm expecting from ohio state this year and we i think we really started to see that once he got healthy uh in the peach bowl i thought that was his best game still not necessarily perfect but he and cam brown both played really well i thought uh at corner in that one uh and you know, Denzel Burke, Cam Brown mentioned this to me last week about the mat- uh, maturity and a different mindset for Denzel Burke, and that's why I asked about that with Jim Knowles and uh, Ryan Day this week. They're like Everybody's sort of noticing that for him. Uh, and if that is the case, and if things may have come too easily for him uh, at, in year one and then thought it was going to be that easy in year two, plus the injury setback, and that's past him, I think then we'll see some really good football from him because we know what that looks like. Uh, and if he's able to bring that back and the hand and the shoulder and all that stuff are behind him, there's a lot of good football. And it needs to be good football because Ohio State's got to play uh, really well at corner and better than they did on a consistent basis last year, which, again, was because of injury. But 
that doesn't ex- it doesn't mean that they didn't hit the standard. Yeah, he he really seemed to embrace the physical nature of the position at the end of last season. And I think that's really important in this defense. And I found myself questioning that. I'm sure you did too throughout the course of the season. Like we talked about him making some business decisions. Um, and I think those were evident to a lot of people. Um, whether that, whether they were true business decisions or the, or the product of, of simply him being hurt and not trusting his ability to make those kind of tackles. Um, he simply wasn't making those plays probably for the first 75% of the season, uh, maybe even more than that. And then started to round into form. I, I'm assuming with time and just being healthy in, in the Peach Bowl, he did make a few of those plays coming up against the run, making tackles in the flat. Um, he'll have to do that again this year. And, but it was good to see him do that. And it's, it's really great to hear too that people have taken notice of him stepping forward and sort of the off the field stuff. Cause uh, I just think it's really hard to be like a great player. If you don't do that, um, you can have all the talent in the world, but if, if you don't do all those other things, I think you're, you're kind of limiting yourself and it does sound like Denzel's at least embracing that Jim Knowles's face, like kind of lit up when you mentioned that to him too. So I, I don't think it's just lip service from his teammates. The coaches seem to be noticing it as well. Um, so I think that's a good pick. I think that's a, that's a, a good pick based on what he's done to this point, but also a good nod to a guy who seems to be putting the necessary work in. Um, at the moment, um, uh, boy, Mike Hall. I'm gonna go with Mike Hall. Um, I, I was wondering wh- if you were gonna go a different way at defensive tackle. <sighs> See, yeah, I I could have. The thing, I don't know. I think they are dynamic in kind of different ways. Both Mike Hall and Tyler Williams. Um, I think Mike Hall's motor is is a little better. And I just think he's like a special kind of interior pass rusher when he's fully healthy. It turns out, I guess he never really was last year after he suffered that first injury. Cause you know, we were talking to him before the peach bowl. I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then like, he hardly played. Yeah. Um, but if I am, if we're to assume for this exercise, that guys are hundred percent healthy and, and we think they can reach their potential. Um, I think his potential is, is off the charts as, as a guy who just like doesn't stop. Um, and, uh, Maybe he can get a little more sound as a run defender, but I think he's pretty good there. But um, even if he's not, I will take that kind of dynamic interior pass rushing ability all day, every day. And I, and I think Mike Hall has it. Yeah, I think, look, the shoulder injury better have been more uh, severe than they let on because otherwise that begs a very different question because mm-hmm. the level that he was playing at in the first three weeks of the season and – what it, the the famous uh, what seven snap game against Michigan State eh, like what I, what he was able to do was different than everybody else on Ohio State's defensive line. I mean, outside of JT's Penn State game, what Mike Hall did against Michigan State was probably the most eye opening thing anybody did all year, and it happened in single digit snaps. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So you know. And it's fine if he was hurt and not able to play and they couldn't figure out how to manage it. Uh, it's less, a little bit less fine if they were you know, purposely misleading about it. Uh, and I think they've got to do a better job of identifying some of these things to explain how much playing time players are, are or are not getting because of injury. That would be the secondary concern. And then the third one would be if he was healthy by the end of the year and still playing at that level of snap count, what in the world would be the justification for that? I have no idea. Yeah, I hope it's not that. My, I, I'm guessing that it is. Um, it was never as good as he said it was when we spoke to him before the Peach Bowl or 
something happened in like the two weeks before the Peach Bowl to to make it worse and and make him less effective. Um, I don't know, but it was it was odd the extent to which or, or how little he played in, in that game. I don't know if it would have made a tremendous difference. Um, probably you would you would like to think so, but I don't know. I view him. You, I'm curious what you think about. It. Like I think I'm trying to remember, make sure I'm not forgetting anybody obvious, but I think that Mike Hall's potential is that he could be the best interior pass rusher that Ohio State has had in my time covering the team. I don't know. It's like Draymond Jones and like Adolphus Washington, I think, are in that category. Um, Ty yeah. Hamilton was pretty good. Or uh, not Ty Hamilton. Devon, Devon Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I think the year when they kicked Jay Sean Cornell inside was really productive, uh, but not to, I mean, not to the level of my call here. Uh, the 2020 season for Haskell Garrett was mm-hmm. was phenomenal but again he's some of those were just collapsing the pocket and and sacks that were coming into his lap so I think in in terms of what you're talking about Draymond is probably the best example of that I don't think you're forgetting anybody I'm trying to make sure that I'm not either uh, I, I think Ohio State, you know Ohio State has also had a lot of success when they've taken some of those pure pass rushers and guys who started on the edge like Adolphus Washington and let them use those pass rush, rush skills inside. Like I don't think you have to do that. My call is already built to do that in the way that that three technique Larry Johnson used to maximize out that potential. So, yeah, I think you're right about that. And if you can bottle up what he did against Notre Dame and in, that, in September before he got hurt, man, you're talking about a very dangerous weapon. Yeah, like, uh, and I think I think they need that too. Like, there were times where it felt like Ohio State's defensive line was like kind of only JT to him all the while, and I think a guy like that needs needs some help to take attention away from himself. And and it's not it's not a coincidence that I think we felt that line the most when Mike Hall and JT were both kind of kind of had it going. So um, I think it's really important for them this year. Anyway, it's your uh, your next pick and your last pick, I suppose. Oh, my last pick? Boy. Well, that makes it much harder uh, because I'd really like to talk about C.J. Hicks. I'd really like to talk about Caden Curry. I'd love to uh, mention Jack Sawyer being a pure defensive end again, but I think I'd be making a huge mistake if I just ignored Lathan Ransom's value to Ohio State. The fact that he could play any of the three safeties and spots uh, that he had played well enough for most of the season not all of it to be an NFL draft pick uh, and a relatively, I don't know, maybe late second, early third one at that, depending on, again, if he'd finished out um, in the game and against uh, Georgia in the Peach Bowl slightly better, um, that would have helped as well. Um, And sometimes it's also easy to forget that he's uh, just now 14 months removed from a fractured leg in the Rose Bowl. And so what that may mean for, you know, him to have a full, winter, uh, which he did not have a full spring, which he did not have a year ago. The fact that he still played at such a high level a year ago is very significant. The guy is a playmaker. He understands the defense better. Can play the, As I said, he can play any of those three spots, which helps provide versatility for the rest of that unit back there as Ohio State shapes it. Uh, so I think I think you've got to have Lathan Ransom and some of his value that's you know not far off of some of those other veterans coming back at, at linebacker. Really, really versatile like, like you said. And I, I think I don't know. I, maybe someone we we take for granted just a little bit. Um, it's not easy, I think, to be as versatile as he is. It's certainly not easy to to jump into the fire the way that he did, coming off that injury and perform so well from the jump. And I think that 
him falling down against Georgia kind of clouds what was otherwise a pretty solid season for him. And uh, I, what, what did you make of what Jim Knoll said on Tuesday, like a, about those kind of big plays? I, it, it seemed to me like he was expressing some regret for not basically playing the defenses he thought he was going to have to play against like the Michigans and Georgias of the world beforehand. And then in turn, putting those guys in positions they had not really been in prior to then on the biggest stages. And then obviously the results were kind of mixed, but that's how I took it. But I don't, it was a little bit confusing to me too. as like the way he expressed it. Yeah. I really just felt confused because asking those guys to play in coverage was sort of a key part of that defensive scheme all along. Like I, yeah, he always wanted to blitz and bring pressures and, you know, create one-on-one matchups that they thought they could take advantage of. And like, I don't think, I guess part of the confusion for me is that I don't know why he has to adjust because guys didn't have the right cleats on a slippery turn. <laughs> I mean, I don't, Yeah. maybe that's oversimplifying it. I know that there are other plays that we can point to, you know, Cam Brown's, you know, missed tackle against Michigan that changed the course of that game. And, you know, I think there was probably more, schematic stuff in the Michigan game than the Georgia game. If we're being honest, like um, that was more of a fluke. What happened on that touchdown, in my opinion, uh, against Lathan Ransom. But yeah, I don't, I think we're going to have to come back to it because I'm not sure that I really understand that. And my feeling after the Michigan game and before the Georgia game was that Jim Knowles would be doing a disservice to himself to change his approach wholesale uh, and give up some of the aggressiveness. That was the whole reason that he was hired. So there's got to be some – clearly he wants a different balance on that or different results at least, um, but I'm not sure that I fully understand why – what his explanation was for that on Tuesday. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and like watch those two games and, and compare them to some games earlier in the year because I do think – I think it's the same with the offense. For the majority of Ohio State's schedule, you can kind of do whatever you want and you know you're going to win. Um and then, but then does that best position you for the games that are, that are the quote unquote matchup games? Probably not. I think you need to maybe work on those things during the year. You're, you're afforded the ability to do that. You might as well take advantage of it. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what he was saying. But but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't quite know what he was what he was getting at either. Other than to say that what he's done multiple times is to put the onus more on himself than he does on the players. Um, but I agree with you that the Michigan game felt much more like a failure of scheme than the Georgia game. And it is just like unfortunate that Lathan fell down on that play. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. he just tripped, he's kind of tripped over his own feet and fell. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's, it's kind of a fluke thing, I think. And it's not really indicative of the kind of player he is. Um, my last pick. Hmm. Hmm. Oh yeah. He's, gonna uh, he's going to do it folks. Um, yeah, like I would like to pick Caden Curry and CJ Hicks too, and like talk about this guy because I do think they're going to be important this year. Um, but I am infatu- infatuated with Davis and Uh <laughs> so I'm gonna so I'm gonna pick him. Um, I I don't know, maybe it's just because he looks so different compared to yeah. the other corners I've seen. Um, and like he had a good freshman year, at Ole Miss. Like he didn't set the world on fire, at Ole Miss. He was a, he was a solid true freshman, and he like. Everyone was like, oh, he's a freshman All-American. He was a freshman All-American for like some website I've never heard of before. Um, so I don't I don't I don't really know how much that means. And I don't say that to discredit him. I just want to make sure that like 
we're using the proper context. But it is hard to to go out there on a practice field and watch that guy move around and not think to yourself of what the possibilities could be. And like from a physical standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Joey Porter Jr., who was an excellent cornerback at Penn State. I have no idea if he'll be that kind of player, uh, but I am willing at this point to drink the Kool-Aid and convince myself that he will be. Uh, so he will be my last pick and the final pick uh, of this draft. Well, you weren't alone. There were people that went into the team room after the first practice of, of spring without any pads. And they're like, is this guy a starter? Like, <laughs> I don't think they've determined that yet. Let's wait. Yeah. I, we all saw what you saw, but let's nail down a starter on March 7th. I don't think I don't think that happens very often at Ohio State, but he does look like someone who could do that. Yeah, it's 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 the physicality of the position for me, like the stuff we were talking about with Denzel Burke. I just think if you can separate yourself in that way, you're going to give yourself a really good chance to play a lot in this system. And, and But I don't say that. I, want, I don't want to discredit Jordan Hancock either because I also think he's that kind of player and had – there was so much buildup for Jordan Hancock last year and, and the hamstring injury just like it kept them from ever reaching that point, which is unfortunate because um, it's hard to really embrace the idea of him being that guy that they sort of all talked about last year. And we, we haven't quite seen it yet, but um, certainly he's capable of being that player. And, and maybe um, by like the end of next September, we can look back on this and say like, you're an idiot for not drafting Jordan Hancock first <laughs> among the corners, um, yeah. which like is, is definitely on the table. So, um, but yeah, I am, I'm, I am into the stylings of, of Davis and Nick I think if, you know, this will be great feedback for Jim Knowles, who, you know, made it very clear on Tuesday, how much he appreciates all of our insight and suggestions mm-hmm. next time though, if he doesn't want us to cover that draft, we'll just participate in it. I mean, we're good Please. at this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I'd love let's, to. And I think that they can get a feel then for how the media perceives our, the, the talented roster that Ohio state is working with. And if we get to give a our own draft, I think that would be very meaningful for them. Why wouldn't it be? We spend all year talking about this team. We know it. Who who among the players we didn't pick do you think was most likely to have been among the top, I guess, eight players of the staff's draft? Probably well, I, I think it's a pretty obvious I think there's a pretty obvious one in Ty Hamilton. Yeah, I was going to say it was Ty Hamilton because I think that he's the player that is trusted most from that from that defensive tackle group. And I don't, I'm not, I, I'm borrowing a word that was used on OhioState.rivals.com on Tuesday, breaking that down. Like the, and that it doesn't mean they distrust Tyreek Williams or my call. That's not what I mean by that. But he has earned the most credibility for assignment football uh, with Larry Johnson, which is why he wound up taking that. It wasn't just because of injury that Ty Hamilton was starting in the middle of the year and then for the rest of the season. like He had earned that, and I think that whether he's going to be a high NFL draft pick, he's probably not, but he's going to be really important for Ohio State. We know that. Yeah, there's a consistency with his play, I think, that is the reason he gets on the field so much. And and you're right. I don't think his his ceiling is probably not quite as high or isn't as high as Ty Leakes or, or Mike Halls, but um, there's something to be said for putting a guy out there and knowing exactly what you're going to get, and I think Ty Hamilton gives them that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the bonus draft pick uh, for us. This was Bill's idea. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It was a great one. It was fun. It was a nice exercise and a little bit of change of pace. Uh, And then we'll be back uh, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center later on on Thursday. We'll have some snap judgments, some practice observations, uh, and so much more. Uh, Thanks, as always, for hanging out out with us on the podcast. For Bill, I'm Austin. We will talk to you later.